everybody, and welcome to another episode of Seeking First. I am Shayna Harvey, um, and this is, uh, let me do the tagline because I haven't been doing that, uh, and I have the author of the tagline on the line with me. So, uh, welcome to Seeking First, the intersection of faith and finance. Uh, I, again, am Shayna Harvey from Inside Total Stewardship, and we are in the Money on Purpose series. This is actually our last episode in this series. Uh, we've been looking at the financial personalities of various people. We have so far talked about the security seeker, the saver, the flyer, the risk taker, and today we have a spender on the line. And this spender uh, is actually no stranger to the Seeking First podcast. She is none other than Carrie Campbell, who was a guest on our previous series, the uh, Kingdom series. She and I discussed the sheeps and goats uh, and had that conversation uh, on scripture uh, when talking about uh, being generous and what that looks like for people in the kingdom and how that affects our finances. So today she has joined us. Um, I won't give her a full introduction, but go back and listen to the episode if you want to know more about her and her theological perspective on such things. Um, but Carrie Campbell is a, an employee, employee of the federal government in the Department of Defense. She and I actually went to junior high school together and high school, uh, separate colleges. Um, but we've known each other for about 29 years at this point, 28, something like that, like a whole adult, a whole grown person, length of age. Um, but uh, I'll let her fill in some of the other details about herself. Anything else you want to share with the people, Carrie? Well, first of all, thanks for having me again. That means I did something right or I didn't completely mess up the first time. Yeah, yeah, totally, uh, totally did well. So I'm happy to be here. The only other thing I would share, just so that folks have a better understanding of me and perhaps my uh, title spender, is that I enjoy <laughs> traveling. I'm an avid traveler. And I enjoy social graces, etiquette, all things protocol. Mm, I concur. She is indeed <laughs> the protocol queen um, for all things. As a matter of fact, I think we have called upon her on several occasions to find out what exactly is the proper way to do certain things. Um, Have to share. <laughs> all of that pays off in, with social etiquette and, and protocol. Um, but today we want to talk a little bit about your financial personality um, of being a spender. So I'm yeah. going to walk through some of the characteristics of uh, spenders and we'll discuss whether or not it's actually something that uh, you think is true for you. Okay. Um, so looking at the the spender personality, here are some of the, the characteristics. Number one, it says that spenders live in the moment. Spenders are focused on what's happening right now, and they're willing to spend money to make life a blast. They might have less money down the road, but for spenders, it's all about making great memories today. Uh, how's that sound in terms of its truthfulness in your own life? Yeah, I think that one might be a little, little shaky. And I say that because I am innately not a risk taker, mm -hmm. and I am very much a planner. 
And so, yes, spending money isn't always a risk, but I do like things to be planned out. That doesn't mean I don't make impulse buys. I certainly do, but it's within my bubble of cushion, if you will. Okay. So there's there's a certain level of, of cushion you give yourself in spending. Yes. And I try to set myself up to allow for that impulse buy or that unplanned thing without waking up with the remorse the next day. Mm, right. Right. Now, Not always successful, but that is the goal. <laughs> now, I will say um, you have a secondary personality um, on the financial assessment as being a security seeker. Yes. Which might actually seem very contrary to spender personalities. Yes. So how, how do you see the security seeker aspect of things influencing your spender personality? Well, because... One of the things that comes to mind is because I am, I do seek security, you know, that vi- I have this vision in my mind of I don't want to retire and have to eat ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's the, the lighter way of looking at it. But I do want to, you know, have be able to maintain a quality of life for the duration, not just, you know, my highest earning years, if you will. So I, I try to keep that in mind mm-hmm. again. Sometimes I'm more successful than others, but I think having that spending account, that travel account, that shopping account or whatever tends to help out. Interestingly enough, my financial planner helped me in setting up my budget so that I could do those things and not worry about, has the mortgage been paid? Have I done all these other things? Have I put money aside for retirement? Have I invested some? So that's been, that's been very helpful to help balance that, that those dual personalities, if you will. Ah, right. Now your financial advisor sounds like a heck of a smart person. Um, you know, just in the brief, the little bit of information that I now have about him or her, let's say. I disclose that it, my planner is the she. <laughs> oh, okay. She. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Definitely done some things to, to point me in the right direction and keep me away from ramen noodles and retirement. <laughs> well, that is that is the goal. Uh, yeah, is the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that there is no need for ramen noodles in retirement uh, or even before retirement. Correct. How about it? You don't want to eat them now either. College days are over. Long gone. Yeah. So that's um, but that you brought up a good point about budget. So for a, so being a spender, um, how do you, have you always worked with a budget or is that something you adopted later in life? So I probably would have told you years ago that I did not operate in a budget. And upon, you know, deciding to seek out the services of a financial planner, I probably would have said I don't have a, I didn't have a budget, but what I think I was doing was doing it in my head. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to setting out that plan that I now have where, okay, here's the, you know, the account for bills and household repairs and things like that. Here's the account for social and civic engagement, travel. And if you, you know, if another account that too, I think I was doing all that in my head, like, okay, I know I need about this much, this pay period or this month to pay these bills. So I've got kind of this much in cushion. But I, I didn't have the separate separate accounts to make it more real for me to say, no, this is really how much you have left to spend. Right. You know, for, for social things. Okay. So is that where you've seen the biggest difference in like writing it? Like for you, 
doing it in your head versus writing it down, where is the the difference for you or how have you seen that change? How it's you- transparency and it makes me be really honest because you know, you if you're doing it all in your head and you just see that single balance, yeah, that number looks great. Right. You know, here, did you forget about, certainly you don't forget about your mortgage or anything, but did you forget about that other bill that comes up every now and again, or, you know, those smaller things, or you lose, it was easy to lose track of, yeah, you did a lot of impulse buying this month, or, you know, Mm -hmm. you you, you impulse more than you normally do, but now. (laughs) Lots of impulsing going on. Yes, excessive impulse. (laughs) Being able to see a separate number as a balance for that is very realistic. Or knowing that next month there's this um, fee, a, a membership fee I need to pay for a civic organization or some conference or whatever, that helps me with that. That helps me be mindful of how much impulsing you know I can live with this month. Right, right. So there, there's room even in a budget uh, for the impulse if you create it. And you make room for it if you are seeking security. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's a thing you want to have. So uh, let's just make sure that it exists. Because right. for a lot of people, budget is like a curse word. They yeah, it's like a four-letter word. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, like, feel restricted or, sure. um, you know, feel like you can't do something. But a budget, i found. But, you know, again, I'm biased. I'm a financial planner. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I, oddly enough. Um, (laughs) there's, uh, there's actually more freedom for me in creating those boundaries Okay. because I know I don't have to worry about something not getting done or not getting taken care of. I just create provision for it. And in doing so, I enjoy the things that I do more than I would if I'm worried about, oh, did I miss something? I agree that you, you have a, you can enjoy, you can have, it's a different kind of fun when you know everything else is taken care of. Right. Right. It's, and if you're just always the person who's spending, spending, spending and never taking account for anything, well then right. you, you inevitably, unless you're just filthy rich and even a lot of them end up in problems because they're not paying attention to their money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to run into an issue at some point in time. Right. It's kind of, it's that feeling of when, if you were go, to go on vacation, knowing that you still had to pay the bill for it when you came back. Right, right. But I enjoy vacation much differently when it's all taken care of already. Right, definitely. You can have a lot more fun and you know what kind of fun you can have. Exactly. There's levels to your fun. You're right. There's levels to this fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, uh, we uh, always joke about... Um, doing things on our level when uh, Fred and I are, are looking to spend money. Yes. Um, we have to identify our level. Right. And it could change from time it, to time depending on the other things that are going on. Absolutely. And, and to, you know, bring faith into it, um, your level is not God's level. So if you just do stuff on your level, he can take you beyond your level and it won't cost you as much as if you tried to get there by yourself. Yes. Cause my father is rich. Right. <laughs> and the cattle on a thousand hills. Because <laughs> I've certainly had it happen where we did something on our level and then God just took the experience like 10 times greater than what we could have done. And it didn't cost us any more money. So God leveled up. 
he he leveled me up. Look at that. <laughs> Jesus leveling up stuff. Let me find out. <laughs> but you know, I was able to function on whatever the level was that he had made provision for me for in that moment. And I didn't, you know, try to go past that sure. um, on my own. Cause that's how we end up in debt. Correct. Uh, when we get into excessive amounts of like credit card debt and, you know, personal debt, it's because we're trying to level up on our own in ways that he hasn't yet made provision for. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's our, you know, fifth lesson for the moment. Um, but another thing, another characteristic of spenders is that they love to buy things for other people. Spenders get a lot of joy out of giving gifts, helping out and treating other people. How's that ring true for you? That is completely in my wheelhouse. (laughs) You know, as I mentioned to you previously, I, you know, I had, I was feeling a little judged with the the spending title, but then I had to own this one because (laughs) written all over. I'm definitely a giver um, of, you know, time, talent, resources, whatever it is. But when it comes to, you know, tangible things like gifts, that feeds into my spender quality in that I enjoy shopping, for example. But again, it doesn't have to be for me. I'm happy to buy, you know, things for other people. I have brought, I've had people ask me to purchase gifts for them for other people. Uh, being a shopper and I have no issue with that it's fun so it doesn't have to be for me at all (laughs) you like actually uh the thrill of the purchase I like the thrill of a deal of a quality item ah okay (laughs) so it's not even just buying whatever it's like (laughs) (laughs) I want to give you something I want to level up in the giving um even though maybe my level up in the finances aren't quite at the same space yet. Right, 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 right. Well, can you think of a time where you, what's like the best deal you ever gotten? Hmm. So my best friend jokes that I'll go find an evening gown that was custom made in wherever by uh, four women, uh, (laughs) dressmakers you know on clearance for five dollars that's an exaggeration I have found you know I I went to an event earlier this year that I wasn't planning to go to and I found a a designer gown on the sale rack for what equated to be about 75 to 80 percent off oh oh I, I found uh bags that um with several figures um for significantly less than several figures <laughs> without you know putting my business out there <laughs> <laughs> well, in all the interwebs yes 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 <laughs> so you're able to find so the quality to you um, is yes paramount is important so it's not just like i'm gonna spend just because i can or that i'm doing it i also want to get something of extreme value for less money than sure. it usually costs and i think i'm more focused i get I'm, i continue to be more focused on that as i get older when i was younger i think i mean i must this is an assumption or a generalization that we all kind of just 
oh, I got to buy it, you know, so we're not always paying attention to quality, especially when it comes to trends and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I increasingly, I've always felt that way about wanting quality things, but even more so now. And also not buying just to buy, like, do I really love this? You know, is this a great suit? Is this a great watch or am I just buying it? Like buy the thing that I really like because I'll hold on to that longer, which will preclude me from having to buy that thing again because right. I the one I got. Right, right, right. So then uh, you're becoming a little more discriminate as you mature into your spending patterns. Increasingly, I've, I've probably been pretty discriminate the bulk of my adult life, but yes, I can definitely see where I am more cognizant of it. Gotcha. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Then you brought up... Um, things that you did when you were younger have you always been uh this way or is this something that you adopted at some point you know later on in your life have you always been a spender you think i think i've always lived in the middle and here's why i say that in, in between the two characteristics i'm sorry the two categories mm -hmm. um i grew up in a household with a spender and a saver okay um, and so my mother was a saver, my father a spender, calculated spender, but still a spender. His theory was all the bills are paid, money's been set aside for savings, retirement, college fund for carry, whatever it was. Okay, if it's left in my pocket and I see something I want, you getting it. He's getting it. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely live somewhere between the two of them. Meanwhile, with my mother, like we she had all kinds of stashes. And if, you know, I forgot to, you know, get the, get the money, ask for the money for a school trip. And that morning I asked about it. Go in this closet and in the back on the shelf. There's <laughs> money there. Like, <laughs> but that's a, that's a real old school way to keep money, though. I feel like that has been lost a little bit in uh, future generations but certain people of a certain era yes. knew how to do that yes mm -hmm. and it was always a different spot and so what i came to find out years later especially cleaning out the house there were multiple spots <laughs> there were multiple <laughs> so you gotta spots. be careful you're like what in the yeah. shoe what in the world and it's so funny because you know in this day and age i'm not the type of person that tends to have a lot of cash but I, I do have a couple spots in my home that, that have a, a little something there just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Okay. That's not something that I, uh, my grandmother used to do that. Like, you know, we would need money for something and she would just disappear and come back with it. Right. It's the same. <laughs> that's, that's because she ain't want you to know where her spot was. Right, right, right. Be like, whoa, where, where did that come from? And I know Fred desires that. Uh, I, did, I didn't. Our household didn't do that, but, um, you know, being able to access money quickly um, in an emergency where you ain't got to go to a bank, you ain't got to do nothing. Like, I think there's a there's an element of uh, feeling more in control when that happens. Like, I'm going to be okay. I think that's, you know, part, part of your security seeker element of personality probably comes from a lot of that, too. I would think so, yeah. And I think also it was an era of, you know, yes, you could go to the, I'll say the ATM machine because your podcast will go out to everyone, but what we regionally call the Mac machine, yes. but there was that 24 hour cycle of, oh, there's an, an ATM and 7-Eleven and you could go anywhere or 
uh, PayPal or Cash App some money. So if you didn't have money and the banks were closed, you were kind of stuck. So I think that also was a part of the reason for these stashes as well. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I do remember, you know, since I've known you for so long, <laughs> there definitely, you did know uh, what to buy and <laughs> kind of the, a certain level of quality was expected from a Carrie Campbell purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Shayna's uh, <laughs> passive aggressive way of saying I was an old child. <laughs> no, 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 no. No judgment, no condemnation. <laughs> Just um, observation, if you will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> observation of, you know, I'm recalling the uh, back in the day when we had those. Um, the jeans with the suede down the yeah. front. <laughs> I remember you having one of those. I did. Uh, I remember a Raiders jersey. Everybody had those. What are you talking about? No, not everybody, because I'm I'm not everybody. I didn't have that. Mm, I, I, was, I, had, I had a bit of a. Uh, I was a bit cheap, so by the time I actually made money. Um, I didn't want to spend it on pretty much anything. And so I became, I think, a saver. You had a starter and I did not. Uh, yes, you did have a starter. Ma'am, I did not. I promise you, I wanted one. My parents would never get it for me. Oh. I did not. You didn't have a starter? See how uncool I was? I had like a, I had like a fake starter, though. My starter wasn't real. <laughs> don't tell people that. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, we out of school now. I don't care. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my it was a jacket I liked. Um, I remember it was a Charlotte Hornets one. Yes, I, look, I thought it was a starter. So yeah, well, I fooled everybody, but uh, they didn't have the starter in the style that I wanted. Oh, uh, okay. So the 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 starter jacket only had the uh, the name. Mm -hmm. and I liked the picture uh, of the Hornet and the that one. Uh, probably cost just as, or close to just as much. I remember having to save up to get it. So you had um, discriminating taste as well. I had preferences. Got it. Especially when it came to me spending my own money. That That is the motivator right there. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to spend my money, then mm -hmm. that's just got to go down. But gotcha. yeah, so anywho, fake starter, uh, true confessions from eighth grade. <laughs> <This is> <laughs> This is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, some of the uh, awarenesses of a spender uh, mm -hmm. says that um, you could be a budget breaker, that a spender can put together a mean budget and have great intentions of sticking to it, but don't always do that. Um, so it, you, you feel like that's, uh, that's true for you? I would say that that, ha that has happened. I'm not to embrace that as a characteristic. <laughs> but I have definitely been in that place where this unexpected, amazing thing that, you know, wasn't a part of the budget for this whatever period, um, it came up. And, of course, it was super awesome quality at a great price. And, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out how to make this happen. Yeah, see, something like that would cause me so much angst that I just couldn't do it. 
And so sometimes I, I would think I landed there and then I would think about it for a minute. And it's like, mm, when are you going to get to, the, when are you going to find this deal again? When, when is this thing going to be available to you at your price point again? Mm. And so my, what I try to do for that is, and, and this may be the modern version of my mother's multiple stashes, is having multiple savings accounts. Yes. Like the one you don't ever really touch. Mm -hmm. Smalls down. And the other one, eh, you know, I was a little, I, I did a lot, a little more impulsing this month. Maybe I'll get a little from there. Right. So that's the, and that's the one where you, if, if you get some unexpected money, you throw it in that account to give you some more wiggle room. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way I've handled it. Now, how have you figured out uh, or have you seen your faith kind of play a role in your financial personality? Like, do you feel like, um, you're usually, uh, or you can connect your faith to it at all? I would say yes. Um, the, the, I think the giving, you know, being a giver, finding a way to, you know, find, you know, things to be able to do or give in this, in this, um, in this example, giving to someone, um, yes, I'll shop and, and find and buy, but I, you know, we're, we're called to be givers and not just tangibly, obviously, but that's what we're talking about now. Um, so I think there's that piece, but I think the other piece is when you look at the reason why we're employed, we're not really employed biblically. Bear with me for being a little, you know, maybe going down the deep street, but I'm not trying to go too far because I'm not deep. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you, we're not employed to solely to sustain ourselves. Mm -hmm. we're we're employed or not employed we're we get income in some way to be a blessing to others right so you know that's part of our calling i believe so i think there there's a space for that as well but i also find you know there were some times in my young, in my career when i was much younger where you know not being as responsible as i should or trying to figure out the budgeting thing on my own and my you know enjoying of spending is that, you know, perhaps I wasn't as diligent with tithing or things like that. Uh -huh. It's always a struggle to figure things out. And it was like, I make decent money. This shouldn't be an issue. And I found out even again, when I was making, you know, far less than I'm making now, when I was diligent in that space, it was never an issue. Mm -hmm. It was never an issue. And so that'd be, that was always the reminder. It wasn't about how much, I can say this now looking back, when I'm making more than I was then, it wasn't really about how much I made. It was being faithful to and honoring God in that way. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the examples of that is I learned tithing at a very young age. You know, I wasn't the kid who got an allowance for chores. You know, it was that that just wasn't our household. But you know, my parents did give me money. And part of that had to go to tithes. But I remember even before I would get money from my parents, there was money that I they, that day in church here, go put this in the offering place. So just that practice mm -hmm. of tithing, even my, you know, little high school job money or what have you. But when I purchased my first house, um, I was in the process of purchasing my first house and got laid off. Um, and they, they had, I had already submitted the, you know, the loan application and they were processing that. I got laid off and, you know, like there would be no more pay stuff for me to show. Mm -hmm. And I ended up 
still getting a house. They didn't know I had lost my job. I certainly didn't offer that information. <laughs> and I, I got the house in like July or something like that, maybe later in the summer. And I was laid off for six months before I started working again. And this may seem frivolous, but I still went and got my hair done every two mm-hmm. weeks. I, I, I did everything. And this was on, yes, there was unemployment, but we know that's a fraction of what you normally make. Right. Unless I told you, you wouldn't have known that, you know, I was still able to pay my car note. I had no issues. And I'm a firm believer that that was because of, of my faithfulness with my tithing and, and not just tithing because we don't pay tithes just for monetary blessings. Right. I think that's another misnomer too. Like you get the blessing back in the way you planted the seed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, we don't always feel like we agree with the manner in which we get those blessings back. We would like to specify, but that's just not the case. And that's a, <laughs> right. one of those grown up Christian lessons you just have to learn. But I do believe that part of uh, my faithfulness in that space was was the blessing while I was waiting for, you know, looking for another job. Yeah. And I, and I think that it has a lot to do with setting priorities, too. So just like you don't spend money until your bills are paid, um, there's, there's an mostly. acknowledgement. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. There's, there's an acknowledgement of where um where your provision comes from that then sets your mind in a particular way right right that then affects how you manage the rest of it right, so back to that's not why we work right right you're you're setting the stage for saying okay i recognize who sustains me yes it's not um, your, it's not your company yeah and it's a physical tangible way to do that because a lot yeah. of you know we can say it but until, you know, it gets some legs, you, you may, it may just be words. Sure, sure. So it's a, it's a tangible way to say, yes, I acknowledge where this comes from and I acknowledge who truly sustains me. It's actually not my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be generous because I've received generosity uh, at the same time. So um, definitely uh, sounds like, you're at least prioritizing um, in a particular way from a faith perspective that then affects how you manage the rest of what you have too. I definitely think it's even with, within the faith perspective, I think it's that it's a, it is a perspective to understand. And I think I'm really, I I'm coming to accept, I think I've known it for a little bit, but accept that oftentimes we're not employed where we're employed so that you can get that money, which sounds like what I just said previously, but it's a little different in that, you know, he, God has us there to do another work. Right. Yes, I'm going to pay you while you're there, but like in my current position, I've been there a little over a year now. And I think I learned or saw maybe about three to four months in that I was there for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily agree or think I needed to. but um i am and and i keep getting that reminder over and over within this last year or so of why i'm there right it's it's not necessarily about the money or 
about, you know, me, some of the career goals and professional aspirations that I have. I'm there for something else that quite honestly has nothing to do with me. It's for, for some of the other people that are in their office. Right, right. Which is way deeper than ever I ever want to be in my workplace. <laughs> like, well, we don't, we don't get to separate those things. Right. <laughs> like, it's our whole life that belongs to him. So, right. and I remember we were like, ah, oh, can I get a, a category that's yes. just mine? Yes. But no, I recall hearing other people saying this, especially when I was younger. And I don't know if I connected the dots or I got understood what they were saying, but I feel like I'm walking that out now. And it's a very interesting place to be. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, and, you know, even for, for spenders, well, well, for every financial personality, um, there is a scripture that goes well with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and for the spender, there, there's a scripture of affirmation and a scripture of caution that I give to each financial personality type. Okay. Um, and so for the spender, um, I go to Ecclesiastes 3.12 through 13, which says, so I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. So here's an affirmation for those spenders who like to live in the moment and enjoy the fruits of their labor so that all of their money is not just going to pay bills, but that they actually can enjoy some of it um, as a gift from God. There is uh, a scripture for you. Um, and then in the scripture of caution is Proverbs 21.20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So that's the caution. Not spending all your, your money, all your resources, so that you have nothing left. There's nothing in your house. Um, there's nothing for a rainy day. There's nothing for lean times. But you've devoured everything. So those would be the... Uh, the two scriptures that go along with your financial personality type. Can I give you a couple thoughts on the both of those? Yes, you may. So the, the scripture in Ecclesiastic to me is um, the biblical way of saying YOLO. Yes, it is. It is the biblical YOLO. <laughs> you only live once, do you live your best life? <laughs> All of those things, just go at it. Right. Um, and I think there's a space for that. And, you know, the Bible tells us there's a time and season for everything. So there's a time and season for both of those things. In the very same book, actually. Ecclesiastes. Correct, you are. See, look at me. I, I know Jesus a little bit. You might know Jesus a little bit. So um, I think that's very important because I think, you know, nothing in the, the word always tells us that nothing in extremes. Right. So if we're eating, drinking, being merry, if you will, that's great. But is it to the detriment of something else? And if we're saving and risk it verse and all of that, that's great. But is it encroaching on your ability to live an abundant life that, that the Lord has um, chosen for us? Right. So now when I go to the cautionary scripture, the spender in me has a, there's a word in there that the spender in me sees. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, this is my confirmation that my spending is the will of the Lord. Oh, no. What, what, is, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's where it speaks to 
you know, you're storing for a rainy day. You're having your provision for a rainy day. Well, in order to be able to do that, I have to go spend. (laughs) There's a commission there. Oh, there's a commission. Okay. Okay. There's a commission there. I say that in jest, but that is something that I'm probably, because I am predisposed to be a spender, I'm like, yes, I am supposed to store for a rainy day, but that means I have to go buy it. So that means when I see the paper towels on (laughs) sale, I'm going to get more paper towels than I need right now because they are stored for where paper towels are not on sale or I overspent somewhere else or I had an unexpected cost, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good because I stored. I was wise. And then for me, I would probably, even if it was on sale, I wouldn't get it until it was in my budget to get it. But the sale might be over. Maybe. And you pay full price for paper towels and you could have got them for a fraction of the price and not have to buy them for a long time. <laughs> Maybe. But if it's not in the budget, then it's not in the budget. Right. But you plan the budget for things like that. <laughs> I, I I hear what you're saying, and I I've, I've gotten better about doing certain of those things over the years, having lived now with a spender and knowing you for all of this time. Um, but and I I will say this, having also gone shopping in your home. For um, that sounds bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad. There were just you had excess, and I was able to partake of such excess. So I will, I will say yes, I, I would agree with you that there is a, a wisdom in it and a, um, a blessing in it because you were able to bless my household from your household with your stores of choice, food and wine. Out of obedience to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so I remind you of that and when your next Costco trip. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's like, I am doing the will of the Lord. (laughs) Costco is its own ministry, people. I'm telling you. (laughs) This is true, though. This is true, though. I am a fan. I am a fan. If one was near me, I'd be a member, but they're not near me. So it's a whole ministry over there. (laughs) Well, uh, we want to uh, wrap this up, but thank you again for joining us for. Uh, and rounding out the series of Money on Purpose and the Spender Personality. Um, if you would like to uh, take the financial personality assessment, please take a visit to our website at www.getinsightts, that's for total stewardship.com. Um, and uh, you'll be directed there to take the financial personality assessment and find out where you are and get some insight into um, what habits you need to adopt to make your personality a little bit more effective in managing your money. Um, And be sure to join us again for our next series when we put that out. This has been the Money on Purpose series, and this episode was The Spender. So thank you, Carrie, for gracing us with your time. Thank you for having me. And uh, until next time, we will see you or hear you again soon. God bless.